normal week. Nothing new here. Watermark Plano, we good? Yeah, just casual. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Um, if some of y'all aren't privy to the announcement on Sunday or uh, you just delete all Watermark emails or anything like that, or if your uh, Watermark's not your church home and uh, you're plugged in in another church around here uh, this past Sunday, uh, we made the announcement that uh, starting next year, January 1, 2021, uh, we are going to be launching uh, as an independent campus. That uh, we are uh, right now connected to a larger body of, of Watermark Community Church, and then now we are uh, sailing out of the harbor into the ocean uh, as an independent body here with local elders, local teaching, and for us to be able to own Collin County and Richardson to be able to be uh, and make disciples uh, and to peel back the layers a little bit behind the curtain, like there's nothing nefarious going on, the elders aren't tired of us, there's no uh, frustrations, uh, there really is um, a deep love and affection, and the elders think that we could just be better at being and making disciples if we go and launch to be our own uh, local body of Christ. And so it wasn't terribly long ago that uh, us as a Plano staff found ourselves uh, in a meeting with the elders, and they were telling us that this was in fact happening. And uh, I remember getting in my car, driving from the Dallas campus back up here to the offices in Plano, driving up 75, stuck in traffic during lunchtime, uh, which is crazy. But, uh, but just processing and thinking, my head's sort of spinning a little bit and just going, hey, I'm trying to, uh, to process this too. And uh, the first thing that I thought of was, was you guys. Like, hey, hey, how is this going to uh, affect our men? What, are, what would our men be thinking? And, and starting to process a little bit too of like, hey, Lord, what, what are you doing in the midst of this? Uh, like, where are you? What, what, are you? what are you doing? And then I was reminded about some of the, the process of how we even choose to uh, study certain books of the Bible. And uh, this past fall, we, we walked through the book of Ephesians. And right as we start to get to cruising altitude for Summit, like week three or four, uh, the, the leadership team here for Summit, John King, Carlos Lopez, me, Will Hyde, others, all of our coaches, we start to think about, hey, what do we think is next for our men uh, for the next semester? What do we think is going to be most helpful for them to study as they take their next step in walking with Jesus? And so we started to throw around ideas. Then we got all the different campuses together, and we started praying and processing. Uh, and this topic of, uh, hey, let's walk through the seven churches of Revelation in Revelation 2 and 3, that kept hovering, um, and it just kept sticking around in our heads. And for me, to be quite honest, it took a while for my heart to get around it. Uh, even as we started, like, uh, me and the team that write the curriculum, we, even as I was writing, I was like, I gotta, my heart is just not around the text yet. And uh, it really, quite frankly, wasn't until I was driving from Dallas to Plano processing all this. I was like, what an opportunity. And it's amazing to see what God has done that, that we would randomly choose this topic to walk through slowly seven uh, churches that Christ himself is addressing these independent local bodies of Christ. And saying, hey, here is what you were doing amazingly well, and here are some things uh, that I want to correct you on. And so um, once that finally clicked into place, my heart was all in, and uh, I, I can understand why Todd says, hey, we're going to study my favorite book of the Bible uh, every single time he studies God's Word, because I was ready to teach Ephesus last week, uh, and so I'm super excited to jump in. But, um, but yeah, we are jumping into the book, or the chapter, little section, the message of Jesus addressing the church of Ephesus. And if you don't know anything about Ephesus, it's very similar to Plano. 
to Dallas and to Richardson. Ephesus was a place where there was a lot of activity going on, a lot of uh, finance and commerce and trade and lots of things. They definitely had 75 north and south. They definitely had 635 and 121. Lots of things uh, were, were happening. And quite frankly, I think if Christ himself was in the flesh, was here in the room, and wanted to address Watermark Plano, I think this would be a similar type message that he would bring. Um, and he would tell us some things that he's going to tell uh, the church at Ephesus. But we uh, are going to be walking, each time we go through a different church, we're going to walk through these four, uh, this chart where it's got four C's, uh, and, and that's just kind of the general outline for what Christ does with his messages to the seven churches. First, he's going to say who he is. Who am I as Christ? What's a characteristic or an attribute of Christ himself? And then he's going to give a commendation to the church. Hey, church, this is what you guys are doing really, really, really well. Some churches are doing so poorly that they're not going to even have any accommodation. But we're going to have a lot of correction, a lot of things like, hey, this is how you guys could grow in your uh, faithfulness and devotion to me, Christ. And then lastly, he's going to give them confidence that, hey, this is what you can put your foundation on and stake your life on as followers of Jesus. So with the book of Ephesus, or the, I keep saying book, the church of Ephesus, the message, uh, there's going to be four L's. Like first, Christ is going to show himself as light. And then Christ is going to give the commendation of their labor. And then he's going to correct them on their love and then give them confidence for life. So as a teacher, as a brother in Christ, as a fellow community group member, there's nothing better that I could do than to open up God's word and read it and for us to keep looking at it. The more that we read God's word, the better we're going to be. Uh, you don't need my pontifications. We just need to read and study and dwell on God's word. So I'm going to read the entire message that Christ gives to the church at Ephesus, and then we're going to go and walk through it. So uh, page five, five, six in your curriculum book, um, you got a ESV app or you got your, like an actual Bible. You can open it up. Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested and called themselves apostles and are not and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake and have not grown weary, but this I have against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so what, what Christ is going to do, the very first verse, Revelation 2, verse 1, he's, he says this, to the angel in the church of Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I don't know if you all were in the text this week and, and read that. Uh, that's, that kind of language might trip you up a little bit uh, if you don't slow down and go, hey, what, what's happening here? So this language is common uh, throughout the book of Revelation. It's, it's a metaphor. It's imagery. And it's meant to be uh, saying something that is conveying an attribute or a characteristic of Christ. And so what Christ is saying is, hey, hey I'm, I'm one that holds these seven stars in my right hand. And so he's, you aren't, whenever, you know, 
Christ takes you home and you stand before him, he's not going to be literally holding seven stars in his right hand. But you better believe that he holds the entire universe together. What the imagery is is that, hey, I hold seven stars. Like I imagine it like dice. Like I, These stars are just nothing in my hand. I just hold them, and I can just play with them because I am sovereign and king over all the universe. Like I'm bigger than you could ever imagine. Like Stars are nothing to me. And so we have this God that is king and sovereign over all of the universe, and then yet what does he say here? That he is walking in and amongst the seven golden lampstands. And the lampstands are a picture of uh, the, the churches that he's going to be addressing. Like the lampstands are what hold up the light. And so he's telling us that, that uh, not only am I king and sovereign over all the universes, I hold stars in my hand like dice, but I also am intimately walking in and through the churches. So I'm bigger than you could ever know, but I love you and I know you deeper and more intimately than you could ever know. And so that's what Christ, uh, that's how he begins this message. Like, this is who I am. I'm bigger and sovereign over all things, and yet I know you. And I don't know about you guys, but I like to order my life in such a way where I truly just don't, I can just control all things in my life. And so I want to work really, really hard and get that job. So that job gives me that pay, and that pay gives me that house, and that house is in that zip code, and that zip code gives me the schools that I want, which gets me onto the, the soccer teams that I get to. You know, I just can control my life so that uh, I don't have to fully trust in my king to provide. And so I, I in my flesh, I go, I I intellectually believe that you are sovereign over all things, but yet in my heart, I think you might forget me. And I don't know about, about y'all, but that's, that's how in my flesh, I just love to control things. And Christ enters and begins this message with, I am sovereign over all things. And I'm not just sovereign, I know you, Robert. Like, I know you, Joe. I know you by name. And he loves you. So that's how he begins with the church. Ephesus, and then he moves on and says, hey, I am light and I am Lord over all things, and then he gives them the commendation of their labor, and this is what he says. Revelation 2, verses 2 and 3, and then down later we'll, we'll pick up on verse 6, but he says this, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. And then later in verse 6, he says, Yet this also you have, that you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So what he's saying is like, way to go, Ephesus. You work hard. And you uh, find people that are teaching false doctrine, and you find them to be false. Way to go. And if this isn't the epitome of Watermark, I don't know what is. Like, if you haven't... Uh, gotten to know us too much, like we work hard, we want to be all in with Christ, and we also are all about God's word. And so what Christ is saying is like, way to go, church at Ephesus. You are uh, laboring and toiling and, and, and also finding out uh, doctrine that is false. And this reminds me uh, of a sermon series we did, I think, two years ago, uh, as we were walking through the book of Second Peter. And as we were walking through the second, uh, second Peter, every time someone would come up and start to teach, they would flip over this uh, sign. And what the sign was is, I don't know if y'all know the Surgeon General's warning, but uh, that's like on the side of a cigarette pack that if you smoke three packs a day, you're probably going to get lung cancer. Like, hey, you probably 
might not want to do that. So, uh, but it's, it's a warning, like saying, hey, if you buy these packs of cigarettes, you probably know that that might be a consequence. So, um, but what this sign was, was the uh, divine general physician's warning. And this is what it said every time someone came up to pre- preach and teach on the book of Second Peter. It says, ingesting false teaching will complicate your life, possibly eternally. Examine the scriptures to see if the things that you hear are true. And so, what, we are, what that is saying is saying, hey, man, like, you guys are being inundated with all sorts of ideas and teaching from the world and even in churches today that can be devastating to your life. And it will take you in places that, that can really, really mess you up. And so what we are saying is you need to be men of the book. And so my question is, hey, are we devoting daily to the scriptures? Like, are we walking with Jesus, studying God's word, interpreting it, seeing how it applies to our life so that whenever false teaching comes up, whether it's from some quirky commercial or from a teaching from a stage, that we go, hey, I don't know if that's true. I'm going to go search the scriptures to see if that is true. Because ingesting false teaching is going to really complicate your life. So what if... uh, I was driving down 75 to get to the Plano campus. I get hit by a bus, which would be quite unfortunate, uh, and, and I'm, I'm done for the day. So uh, John King or Carlos or Will Hyde comes up and taps you on the shoulder. He says, hey, bro, Jason's out. Rest in peace. Uh, but you're in. And so uh, we, you can teach through Revelation 2, but we would also really love for you to just open God's word. And whatever you are reading the past 24 to 48 hours, just, just open it up read the little passage, and just say, hey, this is what God taught me the past 48 hours. Would you have anything to offer? It doesn't have to be something uh, amazing, sermon, four L's, whatever, but just do you have anything to offer? Has God taught you anything through his word in the past 24 to 48 hours? And men, if not, we need to, be, to, to strive towards ingesting God's word over and over. Not to, to just know more theology, but to know the king of the universe, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And that way we can continue to be reminded uh, of the truth of God's word and not uh, be inundated with uh, the false teachings that come from other uh, churches, religious beliefs, or the world uh, itself. And so we need to be men like the Bereans. I don't know if uh, two weeks, it was two weeks ago we started uh, the, the book of First Thessalonians in uh, we referenced Acts 17, and Acts 17 is where the, the Thessalonians um, were uh, interacting with Paul. And Paul says something in Acts 17, verse 11. He, he mentions these, these group of Berean Jews, and this is what he says. Now, these Jews, the Bereans, they were more noble than those that were in Thessalonica. For they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So these Bereans were like, oh, I love it what you're saying, Paul. But then they're also going and going, okay, is is that hooligan saying the things that are true about God's word? Or, they, I mean, this, this happens with me all the time. It's like someone comes up from a stage, and I take everything they say as gospel. And I just, uh, yep, they, they, that person's on stage, and so they, they have to be true. No, like, we want you to study God's word. We even wrote the curriculum in such a way that uh, God is the primary teacher. It's not Jason Fisher or Josh Wilhite or Harrison Ross or Jeff Parker or Keggs. It's God himself. Like, that's the primary teacher of Summit. We want you to study God's word and test these things to see if they're true. That's what Ephesus did really, really, really well. And so, hey, we need to be Bereans. 
So that was their commendation, their labor, their toil, and their love for truth. And then he moves on to their correction, which is their love. And he says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So this is what uh, Christ is saying. He's saying, hey, Ephesus, you guys are working like crazy. You're working your tail off. And um, I really do believe early on the church at Ephesus heard the gospel and started to uh, work and labor out of a right relationship and a love for Jesus. But then something along the way shifted. And then all of a sudden now they think that uh, it's not out of a, a love of Christ, but out of this rote religious service. I have to do these things to please Christ. And so I'm going to work like crazy. We're kicking out false teachers. We're doing all these things. And Christ is it's like grabbing the, the church at Ephesus and moving their face towards him. He's saying, love me. Focus on me. Have a relationship with me. Don't do all these services to try to please me. Have a relationship with me and then let all everything else take care of itself. And so, man, I think we all have room to grow in this area. I, I don't know about y'all, but I have the opportunity to, um, I love to play the resume game sometimes. Like, man, I'm, I'm here on Sunday morning. We're serving. I'm in a community group. Heck, I'm here at 5.30 a.m. on a Thursday morning. Like, you just play the resume game, and Christ is going, hey, hey, I want you to have a relationship with me. Then you can go and do all those things out of the love for me. But he's not sitting up there and impressed by all these things that we're doing out of a rote religious service. And so that's what Christ is doing. He's trying to get them into a right relationship with him. Hey, this is what you labor out of a relationship with me, not to try and please me. And so are we so wrapped up in the gospel that, um, that, Christ, that God himself saw us in our sin and he didn't sit up on a throne and go, well, that sucks. Um, no, he said, uh, I am going to send my son that he who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. He sent his son to be born into a major and to live a perfect life and die a death that we deserved. He, he was uh, strung up on a cross and he was dead and buried in a tomb for three days. And then he conquered death and resurrected and showing himself that he was very God of very God. The God man walked among us and he's offering us life. And we trust in that, and then we start to think we need to work this thing so that he can please us. And Christ is saying, I know, I love you. Remember me and what I did for you, and therefore you go and love and serve others, right? So are we so wrapped up in the gospel and love for others, that uh, love for what Christ has done for us that we can't help but share the gospel with others? And so I don't know if you know much about me, but uh, I love ran very random things. And so the things that get me excited are uh, whenever people are excited about the nichiest things that get me a little bit excited about other things, you know? Um, so I used to be a competitive jump roper. That was a thing in my life. Uh, I grew up in Dallas, and I, my main sport was hockey. Uh, I have a dirt bike in my backyard. In middle school, I was on a paintball team. Like, I just like random things. And so one of the things that also fascinates me is, is magic. I'm not a 
big magic guy. I've, I have all the little boxes that you can buy at Disney World or whatever for $900. But um, I, I love the performance of it and the way that they like will get you to look at something, but they're really doing some sleight of hand over here. Like that like fires me up. I just love trying to figure out what they're doing and how they're doing all this and how they float a table around and all sorts of things. Um, and so I love uh, Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller are these, this, this pair of guys that uh, Penn is this real big guy and he does the monologue where he's kind of explaining things and kind of cracking jokes with the audience and all that. And Teller is the smaller guy that his bit is that his name is Teller, but he doesn't say a word. Like, he never talks. He can talk. I, rumor has it. Uh, but, but he just doesn't talk, and that, that's how they interact uh, during their magic show. And one time they were on a, uh, doing one of their shows in Vegas, and they were signing autographs backstage and doing meet and greets with folks. And there was this guy that, that walked up. Uh, to Penn, who uh, was, he's an outspoken, uh, very prominent atheist, uh, and will engage people a lot and talk, talk about that. Um, but this guy walked up to him, and he gave him a Bible, and he says, hey, Penn, I love you. I love what you do. I love your magic shows. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, but you need to know something. The, the greatest thing in my life is what Christ has done for me, and I want you to know that. And so he gave him a Bible. He wrote out this uh, long note right in the front of it. He gave him like five different phone numbers. He's like, hey, if you ever want to talk about the greatest truth in the entire universe, call one of these numbers and I'll pick up. And so um, in the weeks following, Penn uh, made a video where he kind of was processing all these things that uh, this guy had done. And so uh, we're going to watch a clip of it. But pardon the video quality and pardon the hair. You'll understand what I mean in a minute. Yeah. He said, I wrote in the front of it. And I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And... Uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice insane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, but that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. So that's an atheist. And uh, I, one of the things that catches me every time I watch that video is you can hear him starting to process. Like, you can hear him like, he looked me in the eye. Like, he treated me like a human being. 
not a project to share the gospel, like a person that is loved by Christ. And, and this guy, God bless him, because of his love of Christ, that he's like, hey, the, the most important thing about me is that the king of the universe uh, died for me. And, um, and because of that, we know that the wages of sin is death, and I know that, uh, that apart from Christ, you are destined to be eternally separated from him, and I love Christ, and I love you, and I want you to know about him. And so... Uh, I just that strikes me all the time, and I think for us as uh, Watermark Plano, and as men of Summit, I think this is an area of growth for us that we uh, need to be reminded about what Christ has done for us. That that Christ is turning our heads back to Him, saying, "You're working hard. You're you're uh, striving and toiling, and look at me. Like have a relationship with me. Be reminded about my love for you, and then go and do these things." but it's out of a right relationship in knowing what I've done for you. And then you can't help but share the gospel with others because a truck is coming. And eventually you're gonna have to help people get out of the way. And so are we so wrapped up in the gospel that uh, we're sharing that love of others or quite frankly, are we trying to avoid awkward conversations in the grocery store? Or are we trying not to have awkward conversations and relationships with people in our workplace? But Apart from Christ, they are going to be eternally separate from him. And how unloving is it that we don't share? And so Christ, what he's doing, remember, Christ saying, hey, uh, this is who I am. I'm light. I, I, I'm the one that's sovereign over all things and yet intimately working in and through the seven churches and in and through Watermark Plano. And then uh, the, the commendation that he gives is their labor. They're working really, really hard. But the correction is, is that, hey, 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 you lost your love. Focus on me. All the things you do need to be out of a relationship with me and not rote service. And then lastly, he is going to give them confidence. And we're going to end here in verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So, man, he's practicing saying, hey, I'm, I'm here to offer life. By trusting in Christ, you are offered to eat of the tree of life. You are going to spend eternity with him. And then you also are offered life today to walk with him. Not a, not a perfect life, not an easy life with health, wealth, and prosperity, but a life with the king of the universe who loves you and is on mission in Collin County and Richardson. And so do you want in? Or are we uh, starting to get concerned and fearful about what life might be like void and different and shipped out of the harbor of Watermark Community Church. But man, we have an opportunity now and in January 1 of 2021 to be on mission here in Collin County to, to depend more and trust more on Jesus. So do you want it? Or are you concerned about your comfort more than you are being connected to Christ's mission? So man, we, we want to be men who... Um, are in relationship with the light of the world, the one who's Lord over all things, and who we want to be men who can be commended for our labor and strive towards loving others because we have confidence that life is only found in Christ himself. So men, let's go. Let's go be the church.